1: Welcome back in, and thank you for listening. Uh, Timothy Head is the executive director for Faith and Freedom Coalition. He's on the phone with me right now. Uh, But before we go on, find out more and get off the bench and into the game by going to all the W's, ffcoalition.com. That's ffcoalition.com. Tim, I want to talk about Israel and then the GOP primary, but let's talk Israel first. Are you stunned by the hate for Israel and Jews? less than a hundred years after the civil world promised never again.
2: You know, I would love to say that I'm, I'm shocked, but um, I, unfortunately I'm not. Uh, you know, there, there are, boy, there's layers to, to uh, the dynamics that are at play in the Middle East and, frankly, around the world. Uh, that some of them are kind of rational, and, uh, and, you know, as you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian and, and uh, we run an organization that's, that's based on, on scriptural teaching and I, I think that there's a spiritual element to this as well. I mean, these, these are these are ancient realities that uh, that a lot of people across the world for literally for millennia now uh, have, have harbored hatred for Jewish people. It's not a, a new thing, not an unusual thing. Uh, it just sort of had become, a, I would say, sort of quiet or latent in some ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the events of October 7th kind of kicked the hornet's nest. And a lot of those people, unfortunately, now feel uh, very empowered, uh, almost invited at times, uh, to, to kind of voice and, and act on that hatred. So, uh, you know, we've known that it was there. Unfortunately, it's, it's a lot closer to home than a lot of us wish it was.
1: I, I think people uh, of our ilk, and I'm going to say this it, not to be exclusive, but I, I think I, I like to give most people the benefit of the doubt. I think we want the same things. We get confused sometimes how to get there, but I don't think there are a lot of people who say, well, well, I, I don't want to protect the women and children who are Palestinians. Um, I also want to protect Israel. It's a country. It's not a land that they occupy. Both of those things can be true. The challenge is the press doesn't tell you that terrorists use women and children as a cloak. And then when you try to attack them or route them out, they scream foul. Um, but then the other reality is the anti-Israeli activism and the BLM activism, it's all seated with the same deception. That there, there are oppressors, and then there, there, there are the oppressed. Where do we go from here?
2: Well, you know, I, I think. Uh, I mean, look. The, you know, the reality is that in, in the world, there are people who are oppressed. Absolutely, there are disadvantaged people, uh, and and frankly, also, you know, there are. There's a lot of biblical teaching uh, on speaking up for the oppressed. Uh, frankly, I, that's one of the things that we actually uh, champion at Faith and Freedom Coalition. But we, uh, I, I think that you can do that uh first of all intelligently in an informed way not just a sort of a, a naive um uh kind of a haphazard way uh but I, I you know i think that as a as as it goes to you know ironically one of the most interesting things about israel that uh, that the press in the west will not talk about is all of the aid that they actually give to palestinians in uh both gaza and the west bank and as well as in, in kind of mainland israel they're doing humanity like the Israeli government is actually doing humanitarian efforts among Palestinians, while they're being accused of being an, apar- an apartheid state and you know in- engaged in genocide. That uh, would be about like you know accusing Hitler of trying to kill the Jews while Hitler was you know if Hitler actually had like soup kitchens going for disadvantaged J- Jews. I mean it doesn't. It doesn't compute. It's not consistent. So, um, you know, I think the more that we can actually get the word out mm-hmm. that what what the state of things is actually in Israel, uh, the more I think people actually realize or, or kind of have a, a better diagnosis of truly what's happening on the ground.
1: And, you know, it's about spaced repetition. So I'm not going to pivot from this and hope to never talk about it again. I hope that we're creating a friendship here and i hope we can have you back and, and we'll continue to talk about israel but i want to use the next five minutes and, and i want to pivot to this the faith and freedom coalition over the past year has hosted three major gatherings of the 2024 gop presidential primary contenders there was the spring kickoff in iowa in april the road to majority conference in dc in june and then the presidential town hall in iowa in september let me ask uh, does nikki haley ron desantis or vivek ramaswamy have a shot to take the nom- nomination from number forty-five.
2: Well, uh, uh, you know that that does That, that is the, the the issue du jour, the the question du jour in, in Republican politics these days. You know, as an organization, we don't endorse. We just uh, you know try to. We think of ourselves kind of like as uh, as like matchmakers more than kingmakers. You know, we uh, we just kind of introduce candidates to voters and voters to candidates and see where the sparks go. Uh, but I would say you know, particularly in Iowa, uh, ironically. Uh, Trump's, uh, lead is actually expanding, not contracting. Wow. Uh, you know, so I think that that's the, the real kind of suspense, if you will, is, is, um, I would say, uh, Nikki Haley is actually picking up steam. And, you know, we saw right at a month before the vote, before the caucus, but, uh, I would say that there's a pretty good chance that she may overtake DeSantis for, for a second there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, then uh, you know, of course you go to New, New Hampshire. Uh, Nevada and then South Carolina, and those things start to line up fairly well for for Haley. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, I think Trump's Trump's lead is very large and getting larger, uh, not getting smaller.
1: And therein is uh, <laughs> the fact, or several facts, that we could spend probably ten segments on. When, when <clears throat> some people think that uh, the, the Democrats are going to be happy that Donald Trump has the nomination. Uh, but when I look at Joe Biden, he took office and he was his approval rating was 54 percent. By January of this year, it had plummeted to 38 percent. This week, he's sitting at 33 percent. Can Trump beat Biden?
2: Uh, I think if the if the, the chessboard, if you will, is is left untouched, I think the answer is yes. Now, um uh, the better question is, will the chessboard be uh, left untouched? And I think that it's, it's hard for me to believe there's, there are too many powers that be, uh, some, some official governmental entities and some very unofficial, uh, that, that are very, uh, have a vested interest in somebody like Trump not occupying the White House. And so, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are, are, you know, buying up, buying up rations and, and gold bars or something like that as we add into 24, because uh, nobody's quite sure what, uh, what's inside of Pandora's box there. But uh, I think at the end of the day, if Biden is the nominee and Trump is the nominee, which I expect to be the case, uh, I think Trump has an overwhelming shot at winning this thing. And, um, you know, but, but uh, you know, all these things, as they say, that's why they play the game. You know, who, yeah. who who plays well and who doesn't play well still matters.
1: The thing that stuns me is that I feel like what we're, we are experiencing is now just standard operating procedure. It is political advertising, if you will. I am singing from the same hymnal the same page and the same line with you. I don't think that the pieces on the chessboard are not going to be touched. I'm going to put you on the spot here and I know this is just an opinion. What what shenanigans do you expect?
2: Well, uh, you know, I I think it's a little a little early to say, but I I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that that does keep me up a little bit at night is um, you know, I, as as you mentioned in my bio, I do a lot of work around the justice system and so uh, have a decent number of relationships with law enforcement across the country. And, uh, you know, the presence, uh, there are a lot of people across the country who are here with ill intentions that have arrived in the last two to five years. Yes. And, um, and I think that that's one of the pieces that I, I do get a little bit concerned about. Uh, I think it's really, really important for Americans, all Americans, but especially conservative Americans, to be very discerning news consumers, information consumers. They can't just be swayed by, you know, the loudest, you know, to your point earlier, most repetitive uh, message out there that's also going to probably be either saying or innuendoing that Donald Trump is, you know, going to be a dictator or he's going to be a, uh, you know, some despot, uh, that, uh, that we need to make sure that if, if things kind of uh, uh, unusual things, we'll just, we'll just say for now, start to happen, mm-hmm. uh, can, uh, informed uh, news consumers need to be very kind of uh, their eyes wide open to what what's going on.
1: I couldn't have said it better. Um, we encourage our listeners to read the Ohio Press Network, listen to 98.9 FM, The Answer here in Columbus, and I'm going to encourage them right now to get over to uh, ffcoalition.com. Tim Head is the executive director of Faith and Freedom Coalition, and uh, he's now a friend of the show we got to run for, for now, but I'm certain we'll have you back. Thank you for carving out time to be with us today, Tim.
2: Thanks so much. God bless.
1: God bless you. And uh, thank you for listening to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Wow, uh, he is spot on. Uh, he just the, the, the hammer just hit the, the nail head right there. Um, I expect shenanigans too, but we're going to keep a discerning eye on all of it and report it to you in real time. Uh, stay tuned. More for you on the other side of the break. Dream's Holidays, Friday, December 22nd, Saturday, December 23rd at the Palace Theater in downtown Columbus. Cirque Dream's Holidays wraps a whimsical Broadway-style musical around contemporary circus artistry and the ultimate holiday gift for the entire family. Audiences of all ages will marvel at soaring acrobatics, gravity-defying feats, and extravagant theatrical production numbers. Tickets are available now at circdreams, Cirque C-I-R-Q-U-E-D-R-E-A-M-S.com for shows on December 22nd and 23rd. That's circdreams.com. But right now, I have a family four-pack of tickets to the 11 a.m. show on Saturday, December 23rd, two days before Christmas. And I'm giving them away right now to caller number one. Caller number one, 844-TALK-989. That's 844-TALK-989. You're going to get a free Family four-pack of tickets to the 11 a.m. show on Saturday, December 23rd, Cirque Dreams Holidays. All right. Uh, State Representative Gary Click is a Republican from Vickery who is the primary sponsor of House Bill 68, which combines the SAFE Act, and that keeps doctors from prescribing puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and lopping off uh, genitalia of minors. And it also contains the Save Women's Sports Act, which keeps men out of women's sports and out of their locker rooms in private spaces. Now, one of the arguments is well it, it keeps trans kids from – no, no. A boy wants to pretend to be a girl. He can still play sports, just not on a girl's team. The bill has been approved by the state senate and by the house, and uh, we're going to talk about that right now. Representative Click, welcome back to The Bruce Woolley Show. How are you today?
3: I'm starting to call you Bruce, our good friend Bruce Hooley, but uh, it's good to be on the Bruce Hooley show with Jack Windsor, two of my excellent friends. How are you today?
1: I I am well. I am well, and uh, it's always an honor to, to fill in for Bruce, and, and big shoes to feel, fill. Phil, and we're, we're still praying that he continues to recover and will be back in this chair soon. Yeah. I feel better, Gary, but I got I got to be honest. Um, the bill that is sitting on Governor Dewine's desk, I, I just want to know: Will he sign it? Um, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, so, so thanks thanks for that question, Jack. And uh, our, the the reality is is we've gift wrapped two wonderful pieces of legislation into one bill for Christmas for all of Ohio. Uh, will the governor sign it? Will he Will he not sign it? You know, we've had some discussions. So for, from the very beginning, let me be clear. Governor Dewine has said his number one goal is to protect children. And uh, and I I know that you know you and the governor have had some some rounds back and forth before but i'm just going to tell you this i believe the governor wants to do the right thing there are a lot of voices who are spreading some false information about this bill and about what gender dysphoria really is uh the hospitals who by the way have a financial interest in this are saying that kids will die and they'll they'll commit suicide because of this there's no science there's no proof there's nothing that not one thing that supports that they cannot support that status but in fact, what happens is that the suicide rate goes up after people transition. We've talked to Morgan. You know, Morgan, you, 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 yes. you've, you've played her testimony. She was suicidal after transition, not before. Uh, and uh, she, she was so close to taking her life after she had all this gender affirming care, uh, not before. And, uh, and what we're saying is let, let's get this done. And so, you know, the governor is uh, a deliberative person. Uh, I, I think he, he's taken the time to you know, weigh everything and the balances in this to say, okay, uh, what is really going to be the long-term effect on children? And I think that, that he is going to settle on what he believes protects children. And I think the evidence is very clear when he reads through this, uh, as he kind of looks through this and takes his time to uh, consider this, the evidence is all on our side. It's not on the other side. This did not even exist 10 years ago in Ohio. It has been a, a blossoming epidemic of, uh, child mutilation, to be frank. And, uh, but, and that's not just the surgeries, that's the hormones mutilating children. The hormone puberty blockers are mutilating, have mutilating effects all by themselves. And, and the science is very clear. And so I think that he just, he's probably going to take a little bit of time, I guess. I, I haven't been told, uh, but I think he's going to take a little time. He's going to, you know, just make sure that he's on the right side of history and I'll be honest. I feel confident that the governor will sign the bill. I have no promises or guarantees of that. I just know that in the end, the truth is on our side. And in the end, he's going to weigh the evidence and he'll do the right thing.
1: So let me share this. But, I know. But at oh, least, okay. sorry. No, I was just going to say, let me share this real quick, because I know that he has folks that bird dog some of what we publish and what I say on air. So I want to be very clear. Okay, uh, Pfizer. And pharma, P-H-R-M-A, and P-H-R-M-A is a – it's an industry group. Pfizer and pharma, if you go to Daily Caller and you type in those two things, you'll see the article. They have Hmm. created a system where they reward hospitals that go along in lockstep with this LGBTQ plus activism, and they punish those that don't. So uh, there's that piece. And then Cheryl Atkinson did a great piece on – uh, it's Gilead is one of the drug companies and then there's another Gilead produces the HIV drug. Forty percent of people involved in the trans lifestyle contract 60 percent uh. if they're black. And so they have a, they have a market. And then the other drug manufacturer that's poured money into the activism creates uh, chemical castration pills essentially. So uh. listen, this thing is funded by people who have a vested interest in revenue Streams And I'm going to read this and then I'm going to shut up and ask you one final question. Uh, Senator Andrew Brenner knew we were talking about this today. He said, I sat in eight hours of opponent testimony last week and asked each doctor to show me their scientific evidence for their gender dysphoria procedures. I never got a follow up from the doctors. I found that Sweden reversed course for 30 years. It was it was all things go in Sweden. They stopped last year because of the, whether it was intended or unintended. The consequences to children of what we're trying to do right now was perilous. I hope the governor's listening. Should our should our listeners call him
2: to, to weigh in?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I would say yes, but I think be kind. but Tell him why you're, he needs to know that people in Ohio support this. Uh, this and and here's something to remember, Jack. The opposition argues from a place of imminence, not evidence. Yep. In other words, what that means is because we said so, not because it is so. You know that works for your mom and dad when they say just because I said so. But you know the AAP, the APA, and all these other societies and WVS—it's not good enough just to say well we said so. We voted on it, or and actually they don't vote on it; they avoid the votes because the most physicians are opposed to this. They just can't say so in the practices, but they avoid. The data, I ask for data. They give me no data in, in committee on the other side. They just have talking points. Well, this group's against, this group supports gender affirming care, that group, that group, that group. But I say, well, show me why. They will never, they never have not one time shown me why. They just that they do. Whereas the opposition, like Society for Evidence Based Gender Medicine, uh, which you can find them online, they give the data. They say, here's the statistics, here's what's happened in the past. Here's what's happening now. Here are the medical consequences for all of this. Here are the increased suicide rates after transition, not before transition. That's right. And, and so the science is on our side. And, uh, and I just got to believe that the governor sees that. And, uh, you know, he's getting pressured very heavily by the children's hospitals. They have a financial interest in this. There's no doubt about that. And uh, we're putting people in front of him. That, and we have the whole time that uh, have no financial interest, but they have a science on their side, and some of them who have personal experiences on their side. And uh, the governor is a good person. Uh, The governor has a heart. The governor cares. I feel very confident that he's going to come down on the right side of this. I know there's some people who are skeptical. I have confidence he's going to do it, but it never hurts for him to hear from our community uh, to say, listen, we're behind you, Governor. Sign this. We support this. Ten seconds, Gary. You know, because I think this is going to be a legacy moment. This will be probably the most important piece of legislation that he signs, affirming that he stands with children and protecting young women in society. Amen to that.